the volume. Hey, it's the sessions presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. FanDuel has exclusive offers, boosts, and more all month long, baby. And when you win, you get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like the spread, money line, over-unders, team totals, player props, and so much more. Jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. Such a cool feature. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out Same Game Parlay Plus. So download the FanDuel app today and start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, So it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. Veda Scott here on the sessions. I'm so excited to have you on. I have been um, a fan and admirer from afar. I feel like the first time I ever heard you on a call, I was like, wait, what's happening here? Who is this? They sound fantastic. So I'm really happy to have you on here. How you doing? What's going on? I am so pumped to be here. I am also a fan and I don't want that to be the whole session, <laughs> but it absolutely could be like I could just be fanning out the whole time. But uh, yeah, no, I am so pumped to be here. I'm so, so thrilled that you asked me to do it. Independent of me being a fan of you, I am also a big fan of the podcast. So Yay! this is double Thank fun you. for me. Double whammy, everybody. Um, that's I mean, it's that's the best part about being able to have this podcast is just being able to like, who do I like? Who do I want to have cool conversations with? And you were somebody that I've, you know, I, I usually drop these kind of like lists of like, who do we get? Who can we have on? But then we got to actually meet each other just recently in Dayton. And I was like, let's make this happen. This needs to happen. So yeah, I'm super excited to finally have you on here. So you're in, you are in Philly right now? Technically, I'm in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, the Christmas city, which is about an hour north of Philadelphia. Wait, what's the Christmas city? What is that? What is that? The town is called Bethlehem and they really lean into the whole like little town of Bethlehem uh, thing. And on the mountain that like kind of highlights the whole town, there's a big uh, star of Bethlehem. 
Uh, it's a former Moravian settlement, which is uh, a religion that has uses star iconography pretty extensively. Um, we have Christmas markets. It's a whole thing. Cute. Oh, my gosh. How far is that from Cincinnati? Can I drive it? You can drive anywhere. <laughs> That's the one thing that a professional wrestler <laughs> will tell you. Yes, you can. Depends on how determined you are. But yes. So I'm trying to think. The last time I was in Cincinnati, honestly, uh, was for a wrestling show, but mostly to go to the zoo. Um, and that was, the, yeah, that's about nine hours, I would say. So it's Shout not, out to Fiona the Hippo. Oh, my God. And Fritz. He, and he's, Fritz. He's over 400 pounds. <laughs> I just saw that same video when they just weighed him. Uh, what a little fast. chunk. I didn't get, oh I have not gosh. gotten to see Fritz yet because the last time I was there, it was really cold. So the hippos weren't out. And of course, I monitor this situation extensively. I did finally get to see Fiona, though. So that was last year. Oh my God, they're so cute. We took Nora not that long ago. We went in the morning because when you have kids, you do shit in the morning hours. So we went and all of the animals were out. Everybody was there. So we got to see Fritz. We got to see Fiona. And what they do on days, I don't know what the temperature has to be. It has to be pretty cold, but they do like a little penguin march. They take a lap with the penguins around the zoo. Oh my God. I haven't seen that in Cincinnati. The Pittsburgh Zoo, which is also a very good zoo, does a penguin penguin parade or whatever they call it there but the, it has to be 45 degrees or more for the hippos to be outside listen there's rules and regulations <laughs> keep everybody safe and warm or cold if they need to be that's great okay so you are in bethlehem did you but you did you grow up in rhode island is that right uh, that is a lie. I don't think I've ever completely discussed this anywhere. So breaking news. I'm not actually from Rhode Island. Uh, essentially, when I was coming up with my wrestling name and background and all of that, I needed a town to be from. Philadelphia didn't work because I trained as a wrestler in the Philadelphia area and I was doing a lot of like bad guy stuff. So I didn't, I did, Philly didn't work as a hometown because it was going to get cheered. So we were trying to come up with what I could do. And like New England has sort of like, um, I don't know. It has like a, a sort of remoteness to it, to people in Philadelphia. And in reality, I, I love Providence, Rhode Island. I, I spent uh, a bit of time there. Um, an ex of mine from college, my college girlfriend, lived in Rhode Island and worked in Rhode Island, worked at RISD. So I spent a lot of time there. I got to know the city. I got to know enough of the city that when people asked me about it, I could lie. But then it's very funny because I ended up living in Providence for real for several years. And I, I love Providence. I have since moved back to Pennsylvania. Now, Veda, did we get this from Veda Saltenfuss? Where does Veda come from? I just made John watch My Girl. He had never seen it before. I was like, do you feel like having a cry? Um, because I would like to put this movie on for us right now. Because, like, if you don't know going into it and you think it's just a cute movie about some cute little kids, <laughs> no, no, you're in for some trauma. It's funny because it ended and I go, wow, I, you know, I really just love a good coming of age. He's like, that's not a fucking coming of age movie. I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not. It is very traumatic. So, Veda, I don't let me, let me think how much how far back I should go. Uh, Let's so go I was, on a journey. I love going on the journey. Take me back. I was originally trained with what at the time was the, the Ring of Honor Wrestling Academy, which was in the Philadelphia area. It was in Bristol, Pennsylvania, which is where the original ROH offices were way back in the day. And uh, I had I was going to school in Philly. So when I decided to go to wrestling school, I was kind of limited in my choices where where I could go. Not limited in a bad way, but I like I couldn't I couldn't leave school for wrestling. Law school. It was law school. Yes. So I like absolutely could not leave school for professional wrestling. So I was 
fortunate because there were a bunch of really good schools in the Philly area. But when I started evaluating them, it looked like the ROH school would be the best choice. And that was mostly because of the trainers who were there, who at the time was Delirious, uh, who's the masked wrestler, and Daisy Hayes, who is an absolutely legendary female professional wrestler. And so I was like, okay, I want to train with Daisy. I want to train with Delirious. I went there and Daisy also was an extremely talented gear maker and just super creative. So was Delirious. And they kind of like helped me sculpt this persona to eventually start wrestling with. And uh, the gear was like very, it was houndstooth that Daisy kind of came up with this. Yeah, I will fuck with a houndstooth all day, every day. Love it. I wasn't sure, like, like I was so early for me to have like a character because I wasn't even wrestling, but like I wanted to talk. I knew I wanted to talk. Like I knew I wanted to do promos and things. And so we kind of like, we were determining if I wanted to like lean into the, the lawyer part of stuff. And I wasn't sure. Instead of DMD, we could have like, what's like the lawyer acronym? It's a JD, which doesn't sound as good. (laughs) Okay. Or Esquire, I guess Esquire, maybe. ESQ. Oh, Esquire's good. Esquire's a good one. Yeah. But uh, Daisy was kind of helping me come up with names and things. And we wanted to have it be a little bit unusual, but also maybe like a little bit annoying. Uh, and the name that Veda, like that, that's like a little whiny. And, and, and I was, I love, like, I, I love language. I love words. I like that. I like the way that that sounded. I like the way it sounded with Scott. And so we went with that. But when I started to, I, and it started as V-A-D-A, like Veda, exactly like Veda Saltonfuss. Okay. But I didn't like the way that it looked. Like there was just something about, the, it just, it didn't pop for me. This was what was a cons- it wasn't aesthetically. Working. It was not there. Got so it. I, the vibe changed a little bit, and it became V-E-D-A, Veda Scott, uh, and I, I. I was almost Olivia Scott for. Oh, a while. Olivia can have uh, a good like. Olivia can be a real bitchy name. Yeah. So that well, and and that's no we offense. We love you. To, we there, love there, all Olivias. Yes, I know many I have Olivias. Beloved Olivias, but that it was almost Olivia Scott. It became Veda Scott for that same V. But yeah, it it was just sort of like plucked out of nowhere. But Veda Sultanfos definitely was an inspiration. <laughs> and yeah, it was As part of should be. it was part of my trainers just being really determined to um, get all of us footing in terms of like kind of. Figuring out who we were and then like being open to letting that evolve as we started to perform more, but like starting out with something because obviously Delirious is a full character. Like he is fully immersed in this and that is part that translates to how he wrestles too. So that was sort of like that perspective. You're right. It's like you don't want to kind of put the cart before the horse. But having a character while you're still kind of getting your sea legs, you're figuring out who you are as a wrestler and shit, I mean, how many people go through different gimmick changes and whatnot, but to have like a base and then evolve from there, what kind of things started to change as you were wrestling more? So when I first started, I I kind of was just, it was a wrestler and I was terrible because I was brand new and I had the glasses as my entrance glasses, which I would then take off to wrestle, obviously. But the glasses were a huge part of the persona because I wear glasses in real life. I have forever. And the problem was, I guess I wasn't very creative with my look because I just looked like me. Um, And we decided that that would be like, okay, this is what your wrestling character is going to be. Um, 
And I, I started to, I got really fortunate early on to start to work for a couple independent promotions, uh, including ones in Ohio that allowed me to uh, put promos up on the internet and like get on the microphone and sort of flesh out this, like flesh out this persona, even if like in ring wise, I was like still very much figuring it out. I'm still figuring it out, but I was brand new and I was like, okay, the wrestling, I'm going to have to figure this out. But I can talk and I can try to give like do a character and I know that I can maybe connect with that or at least I can try. And so that's sort of what changed is that like originally the character was just me, but kind of like turned up a little bit like everyone says. And then as I started to spend more time, I started to get more involved with different other characters and different stories. And then through complete happenstance, I started to do the character at Ring of Honor, which I even though I went to the ROH wrestling school, I had no uh, I had no aspirations to ever work for Ring of Honor because it felt impossible. It was just not, it wasn't, that wasn't my goal because I didn't really have a goal. But as I started to do stuff with ROH, and this was this was years ago, I started out as a backstage interviewer for ROH. It was kind of a blank canvas, you know, and just the wrestlers would kind of bounce off of me. And then Delirious got the idea to maybe have Veda have some inner, more like personal interactions. And then maybe they would introduce me as like, maybe a manager because we didn't do well there wasn't a lot of there was on and off women's wrestling in ring of honor at the time and they were starting to bring it back again and there was a character mischief who uh she screamed and she spit mist and she was like very very scary and what ended up happening with veda is veda was interviewing mischief who i think was mad about losing which is the, the typical wrestling thing and uh, she misted me and that was supposed to turn the switch for Veda to become an occasional wrestler in Ring of Honor. So that shifted a little bit. And now I was like, I was a good guy, wrestler, going for it, trying real hard. And it felt very strange for me. And like, it didn't click for me because I felt like when we started to do this whole, like, are you going to be a lawyer? What are you going to do? Like, it just, it felt, it felt a little artificial for me. And I was like trying my best, but I'm like, there's something missing here. I don't know what it is. And we got the idea to like turn me into a bad guy. I started to manage at first uh, Moose, who is now with Impact Wrestling. I started to work with, well, my actual, this is, this is true. My first client in Ring of Honor, uh, when I was like a full bad guy lawyer, was QT Marshall. Okay. QT Marshall or QT Marshall as he was at the time. <laughs> that yeah. was my first client. And that was the first time I got to do like a manager persona do promos and the character was like starting to really settle in and that's sort of the first big change then i would do things like um you know negotiate like terrible contracts for my wrestlers opponents and and that kind of stuff so the lawyer aspect of it came in i really enjoy managing i thought it would be like a like a stopgap like a temporary thing and i ended up loving it that's always something that I kind of wish that I got to do a little bit of. Like, I think it would be really fun because there's something so special about the art of being a manager. And, you know, you can rattle off some of the names of the who's who's of people that have like really excelled at that. And God, they've like it just looks like it's the most fun. Like, wait, you don't have to take any bumps for the most part. And like you still get to be a character and you get to have fun. You get to be part of the storylines. I love that shit. I got lucky. I worked with some really incredible people. 
as a manager in Ring of Honor. Um, Cedric Alexander was like my my main client and we had a really, really cool thing going on. Loved it. Was learning a lot. Got to work with so many people uh, because when you're managing too, like you're out there, you're getting to watch what's happening in the ring. Like Maria Kanellis is like such a such an idol for me with that. Oh, yeah. She, she's the shit. Right. She she's so also brilliant. unsung hero. Like she's so fucking great. She's worn so many hats. She's had such an amazing career. And like the tenacity that is Maria Canellis and how hard she works. Like I'm always impressed by the work she does when she's like not at work. But then she shows up. She looks like a million bucks. She's always ready. She's not like like she's just she's great. I love Maria Canellis. I was so intimidated when she first came into Ring of Honor. We all were because like it's Maria off TV. She's ethereal, gorgeous, perfect. Best head of hair I've ever seen on a human being is on Maria Canales. All the time, all the time. And like, she turned out to be like the coolest, most down to earth, most encouraging, most helpful. And watching her in terms of like her managerial skills, she is so involved in every single match. And I'm not talking about the like spots and taking bumps part. I'm talking about the fact that like she's in there calling the match. She's part of the match. She's creative. She's just as much a part of the match as the actual wrestlers in the ring. Like if someone were to just like get zapped off the face of the earth, Maria could step in and finish the match. Like she's in it. She helped me a ton when I was doing commentary because a lot of times, and we'll get into this too, but if people don't want, like wrestlers don't want to give you notes on their match or they don't really have stuff to give you, she was always like, here's some story, here's some backstory, here's this, this is where we're going. Like she helped me out a ton in order of like helping to put together her matches with Mike. She's just so on it and her brain is just like constantly, constantly going. And so I was watching that and I'm like, okay, this is, if I'm going to, if I'm going to be a manager, cause I was still, I was still wrestling outside of ring of honor, uh, but managing in ROH. I'm like, if this is what I'm going to do, I want to be like Maria. I'm not, I can't be Maria, but I can like take little bits of how she works and her work ethic. And just, I know that I'm certain like exactly what you're saying. I'm certainly not alone. And just like, oh, Maria, I idolize you. But Cedric ended up getting a huge opportunity. He left Ring of Honor. He did the Cruiserweight Classic. He fucking killed it. And he he went to WWE where he like is. It was this moment of just like, yeah, not that we weren't all happy in our age, but it was like, yeah, like you need to be on the biggest stage possible. You have worked so hard. But that left me like literally without a client. As if it was real. So we were like, who do you, what do you do now? And they were like, do you want to wrestle? And I was like, yeah. So I started to do more wrestling matches and I got to have a lot of really, really fun ones. But I missed the like character aspect of things because that just wasn't part of it so much anymore. It was kind of just matches. And uh, on, on the independence, I was, you know, wrestling and I was trying to figure out like, okay, what is Veda now? Like, am I a wrestler? who manages sometimes. And then oh, and also I was like very desperately attempting to do as much commentary as possible. Like literally just like, can I sit in for this match? Can I do this match? That sort of thing. And I just like the character just sort of was sort of floating out in space. And that was when I, I actually decided to leave Ring of Honor. I don't have any goals. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I am. I just feel like I'm feeling complacent. I'm feeling like I'm not being challenged. And that's not a negative to them or anyone there at all. You get in the weeds sometimes when you're like, who am I? What am I trying to do? Like sometimes you do need to take that step back just to like 
almost not like clean slate it, but just to be like, what what am I actually trying to achieve right now? Because I can be like that sometimes too. You take on so many different things that you're like, what am I doing again? It can be a little bit of a mind fuck. And like you're you're just sort of like coasting. And I feel like with something like professional wrestling, whether it's the physical part of it or anything creative, really, once you start coasting, like you might as well not be doing it because it's not the way to be productive in any sort of creative outlet, performance outlet. And I just like, I I was getting to the point where I was, it wasn't like, oh, I'm dreading coming to work. Like, no, I loved what I was doing. I wasn't feeling challenged. I wasn't, I felt like there was more that I had to do more because we have such a limited window in performing and wrestling. Yeah. And if you feel like you're not like contributing the way that you want to contribute, can it's a very like unfulfilling feeling. Like I want to do more. I want to be a part of the shows. I want to help be like a bigger spoke in this wheel to make shit move along. Ring of Honor was kind of switching directions a little bit. And I felt like if I stayed what I was doing, it'd be safe. Sometimes safe is good, but it's usually not good when it comes to anything creative. So I happened to have the opportunity come up where I got to go to Japan for a little while. Oh, how was that? My favorite place in the world. How long were you there for? So I've gone five times, I think, usually for about a month or so, sometimes a little bit more. But I got this little opportunity to to go over. This was when I was still up with Ring of Honor and they didn't have, they have a partner, they had eventually a partnership with um, Stardom, but at the time they didn't really have anything set. So I, I was asked to come over with uh, Seedling, which is another wrestling promotion. Got to come over, got to stay, got to live for a while. And I was like, wait a second. I've been traveling around the country, you know, in the ring truck with Ring of Honor. And that's great. That's fun. But like, there is an opportunity for me to travel literally the world with professional wrestling. I can't not do this. And that was like, honestly, that was the big, like the switch flipped. And I I sat down and I I talked to people at at ROH and I I said, I can't, I have to try, like, I have to try something else. And I ended up, you know, not renewing the deal that I had. And I was like, okay, I hope this works out because taking that leap can be scary. But like, that's what makes us feel alive is like, how do we make this work? And then I ended up, you know, traveling around the country a little bit, doing some independence. And that summer, I coordinated a tour of England for myself where I just went. I went to England for it was about three months, I think, with my now husband, uh, Mike Bailey, who we, we decided that we. We wanted to go to Europe for a while and I couldn't have done anything like that when I was, you know, working for Ring of Honor because of the schedule and sometimes steady work is a good thing and other times it's not because you can't like do anything else. So now that I wasn't under the schedule, I went to England, I traveled around, I did all the touristy stuff and I did it for pro wrestling and it was like, okay, this is what I want to do for, for at least a while. I want to go everywhere I can. I want to wrestle everyone I can. I want to do everything that I can because like, I'm not going to get another chance at this. I'm not. And that, that's kind of what happened. So I, I traveled for a few years. Here we go. Lorenzo, the juggernaut hunt joining me here on the sessions. I'm super pumped to have you on huge fight coming up for you. February 17th uh, with BKFC knuckle mania, light heavyweight unification bout. You guys are the main event. You versus Mike Richmond. Talk to me about this fight, how it came together. Talk a little shit on Mike Richmond. Give me all the goods. 
I've been working really hard at my job. I, I was the number one contender for the cruiserweight. I also had the best record as the light heavyweight. So it's just a lot of drama in the BKFC during my rise to power. Mike Richmond was actually never on my radar. There was like six guys that I had to beat up. And then all of a sudden, I started reading all this crazy stuff about, you know, Mike Richmond maybe being the only guy that can take me out. I thought it was silly. Honestly, he came from a different weight class. I'm the bigger, stronger guy. I have more experience, more knockouts. I didn't think it was real. But, you know, in the entertainment business, when the fans want something, Fans get it. You know, they demand it. And all of a sudden, after I beat Joe Riggs and defended my 185 belt, and then I became the double world champ by knocking out Quentin Henry in his hometown, the fans wanted to see me and Mike Richmond. And he gets to chirping online. And next thing you know, craziness. Okay, that being said, talk to me about what happened at the press conference like just a couple weeks ago, because you guys got into it, got a little bit scrappy during that press conference. What happened? I'm me. I'm going to be me anywhere I'm at. I'm, I'm the most dangerous fighter in the most dangerous sport in the world right now. When it was my turn to talk and I was telling the crowd, you know, why I'm the champ and what Mike Richmond has to deal with. He did not like it. When I took my shirt off, he got irate. It was almost a little bit of like a man crush type of thing. Like, oh, oh you're beautiful. <laughs> and. I'm not a shy person, especially not in front of the cameras. You know, you will not embarrass me. You will be embarrassed if you try me. And he tried me. I said to him, I said, you can't be that stupid that you would run up and try to intimidate the double world champion for bare knuckle boxing. He said, I would slap you in your mouth. Honestly, I don't remember anything else. Did you like black out in rage? My hand just reached over my mouth like somebody said slap. So I started slapping Slap who? Slap me? I haven't been slapped. I was 14. The difference of disrespect to being punched versus being slapped are like very different vibes. It's so different that the thought of you slapping me got you slapped. Like just saying that out of your mouth, just a declaration. That was a declaration of war. How much have you been thinking about that since it happened to kind of keep that fuel burning leading into February 17th? Honestly, I don't need that. I'm a technician. You ever seen the guys that lay the bricks for the patio? They're so masterful. They're so artful. You can ask them questions. You can bring them sprite. Their hands are still working. I don't have to be upset. I don't have to be mad at you to do my job. You know, I'm very, very good at it. And that's why I'm the champ. What is your perfect uh, headspace going into a fight then? If you don't need that rage to kind of fuel you, does it change fight to fight? When you're walking out and your music hits and it's time to go, how do you want to feel? Prepared. I um, push myself nearly off a cliff. I don't need anyone behind me screaming or yelling at me or telling me to go, go, go. There's no one can push me harder or faster than me. So when I have a good camp and I have time to myself to figure out my strategy and to push myself and to test my heart, I come to the fight. It's easy. The work has already been done. I've defeated myself so many times that I know you can't beat me. It's an internal fight. So the work that's being done, you have been training in Puerto Rico. How has this camp been? Has it been different from previous camps? What's going on? I love Puerto Rico, especially Manabo, Puerto Rico, up here in the mountains with Elvin Brito, the 
moisture in the air is so thick that when I'm working out, it's like drowning. Every day I'm sweating it out. Every day I'm grinding. Every day I literally have to cut weight for these fights. I'm the cruiserweight champ. So I walk around at about 225, which means I cut nearly 30 pounds in 30 days. That type of discipline, that type of dedication, that type of diet, that type of full-time commitment propels me through the fight. And it's the easiest part of the entire show. What does the celebration look like for you? Um, and are you going right back to Puerto Rico? The fight's in Albuquerque. Do you go back to Puerto Rico? Where do you go? Because well, I want to know what the food scene looks like. Going to Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to fall in Miranda's arms and sometimes I cry. And my celebration looks different than other people. I don't drink. I'm not really a big party guy. But when I can just put all of this down and I can just go home and work on my cars and play with my kids and just let it go, that's a celebration in itself. Celebration to me in my in my head is like a, a, a kid's birthday party. All the kids <laughs> Our candles and cupcakes and everybody's jumping on the trampoline and balloons. My kids will be celebrating for me. Why bare knuckle? Talk to me about the difference. Uh, I mean, you are obviously a technician at what you do. Um, but with bare knuckle fighting, talk to me about the differences of that in traditional boxing and what that feels like and how the preparation's different. For me, it isn't different. And I can't really speak to anyone else and uh, everyone else. You know, they have their different ideologies and philosophies about fighting. But me, I don't. Um, if you for me or go to touch me or go to hurt me or go to poke me in the eye, I'll move. It doesn't matter if you have a boxing glove on, I'll move. If you have an oven mitt on, I'll move. So if you don't have any gloves on, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to move. I just train my reflexes. I want to be the smoothest, most intelligent, most specific me that I can be. I'll fine tune myself. I'll fine tune my skills and my reflexes are fast and you can't touch me. So when I hit you, it's over. How do you sharpen your reflexes? What kind of what kind of exercises and routines do you go through to, to stay cat like? I'm different. So a lot of them are very, very different. Like what? I'm an avid juggler. People don't know I can juggle. What? Yeah, I can juggle like a like a circus clown. We play basketball a lot. I, you know, do boxing, reflexing drills. We spar a lot. Um, football, you know, anything that is hyperkinetic. It's all about hand movements, combinations, confidence in your body brain connection. Once I achieve that and lose weight, it's like being a dancer. But you see a ballerina, she's been in there kicking butt on her twinkle toes for for months when she does what she does it just looks like magic you don't see the time that she put in when i do what i do it literally looks like magic i agreed i was watching some highlight reels as i was like preparing for this me and my my husband he's a professional wrestler we're watching we're like oh my god look at this guy go like you are so locked in on what you're doing and i can tell right now obviously you're laser focused on this fight and seems like you are just ready to go where does your work ethic come from to stay this dialed in all the time so my mother and father are two of the hardest working people on the planet i've never seen a team like that never seen a dream team i've never seen it repeated my mother and father have been together for 40 42 43 years they can read each other's minds it's, it's, it's amazing like they're they're in sequence they're the perfect little team and i watched them do that for years and years and years and i just 
no excuses. My father never made an excuse for nothing. My mother never made an excuse. You know what I mean? She worked late sometimes. Sometimes my dad didn't do so well. My mom worked 18 hours. Sometimes my dad did great and my mom went to college. It was never a complaint. And I don't complain. Uh, this morning I ran eight miles uh, up Mount Lapica. Um, I've already swam today. I'm in a coliseum right now, um, helping out with uh, setting up the boxing matches tonight. I don't believe in not showing up for work, period. I respect the hell out of that. Totally respect the hell out of it. And obviously it's paying off in dividends that you're double champ. You're out there doing it. You've got another fight ahead of you. When you step away, though, when you are not in the ring, you're not in training camp. How do you switch from the juggernaut into being Lorenzo, being dad, being boyfriend? Like, how do you how do you kind of strike the balance between those two? I don't have to switch. This is me. My opponents that have been my multiple opponents problems. They think that I'm acting. I'm not. (laughs) I'm not acting as real as it gets and realize it until it's too late. He's not faking. He's not dressed as a tiger. He's not a paper tiger. This guy is a real thing. Tell me about the first fight that you ever got in, whether good, bad, schoolyard fight. What was the first time you got in a scuffle and you're like, ooh, I kind of like this? I don't remember. Um, I never liked fighting, ever. I still don't. But I'll say the oldest fight that I really remember, I used to live in a really, really tough part of town in Cleveland, Ohio. I used to go to Wade Park Elementary and there was a kid that had casts on his arms and he used to bully everybody. He would beat them up with his cast. I don't remember my first fight, but I remember my first win. I fought that guy and I'm uber confident, not so much in my ability to fight, but in my hard work and my work ethic and my ability to train. So it just translates over, but I've never liked fighting. Okay, so how did you get pulled into this sport? If fighting is not something that you love to do, how do you how do you have such a love for what you do? I had behavior issues as a child. Super energetic, super busy, just bothersome, just always getting into something, just always getting, you know, kicked up the butt for being bad. And uh, my father took it upon himself to teach me martial arts. And uh, I just grew up as a martial artist and I, that became my center, that became my calm. That became a part of my identity. I'm karate kid, so to speak. But being, like I said, hyperkinetic, hyper energetic, I'm really good. Like a, like I could flip and jump and twist and control my body really, really well. That turned into self defense, and um, I kind of got draped into fighting. I was doing, I was teaching uh, uh, women's self defense in St. Augustine um, outside the college, and uh, the girls signed me up for. Uh, for a charity event. If you look it up online, it's uh, the Rumble in the Ancient City. It was my first ever amateur MMA fight. It was a charity event for the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation. And I was fighting a uh, black belt, a dangerous guy. And it was for charity. And I was teaching self-defense, so I couldn't turn it down. And I backed this guy's brains out. And it was viral. And it was in the newspaper. And it was like, Lorenzo Hunter's on the scene. I literally went town to town doing these charity events, no money, no anything, just recognition. After about nine or 10 knockouts, guys were offering me money to fight. 
It just happened. It was purely organic. I never was like, I want to be an MMA fighter. I want to be the baddest guy alive. No, that was not. I was perfectly fine in my little town teaching martial arts and driving a tow truck. I had no aspirations to be a, a mixed martial artist or a bare knuckle boxer. And I just fell into okay, it. Okay, so now, I mean, looking at that all in hindsight, here you are with BKFC, uh, a nine and one record. Are you the are you the winningest fighter in BKFC? Is that true? Most wins in bare knuckle uh, in BKFC history. I have the most knockouts in BKFC history. I am the most dominant fighter in bare knuckle world. Okay, so this fight coming up, uh, February seventeenth. You're taking on Mike Richmond. What can we expect from this? What do you expect? to happen in this fight? How long do you see you guys going? You going into the weeds or it's going to be a quick finish? I have no idea. Honestly, um, I'm a defense technician and guys kind of put their self in poison positions with me. They'll either come too hard and get hurt or they'll be too lax and I'll pick them apart and win just by being a better fighter. I like to let the fight create itself. And I know that's weird, but I don't really come in with the pre- ordained plan because it moves it's organic it's motion it's water it's wind it's fire it has a life of its own and from the time i step to the inside the ring until he starts moving he's teaching me what he's good at but he's also teaching me what he's not good at and as i begin to learn and i begin to process his strengths and his weaknesses then i begin to expose his weaknesses and avoid his strengths and the fight becomes something that neither one of us could have predicted so I don't make predictions. How important is your corner during all of this? I mean, it's one thing for you to step in there to be making these assessments, but obviously it's crucial for you to trust the guys in your corner to maybe pick up on things that you're not seeing while you're in the eye of the storm. Talk to me about your team. My corners, they don't treat me like that. We're psychics. They're working it brain-wise. They're just there just to watch. When I come to the corner, they don't start yelling and barking at me and telling me what to do. They ask me questions to check what I think, because that's what's most important, what I see. So when I come to the corner, it's more like, hey, what you see, champ? How do you feel? What you thinking? Did that strategy work out for you? So when I come to the corner, they're more so helping me put the game plan together by making me say it. I saw this. I saw that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. This is what's next. And they say, yeah, I like that. (laughs) Yeah. Back it up. You got three people yelling different stuff at you. You know, it works more like that. And that's my dad. You know, we've done so much work that I can read his mind. He can read mine. Is your dad in your corner? My dad's in my corner. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. We got a great team. Yeah, you guys are locked and loaded, ready to go. Do you feel the pressure of being the company man? I mean, I feel here you are, the two-time champion, most winningest uh, record in BKFC. You're out here, you're doing the press. You're that guy. You have that charisma and that spotlight on you. Do you feel sort of that responsibility, the responsibility to to rise to the occasion and really like represent the company well and, and do all those things? It was so hard to get to this point. I did so much work to get to this point. I've mastered so many aspects of advertising and presenting myself and speaking to the press and doing all these little extra things. Um, my charity speaks for itself. Uh, my personality speaks for itself. Take pictures with everybody. It's not hard for me to do those things. I don't even have to think about it. I don't even have to try. 
everywhere I go, people recognize me, the juggernaut, the champ. They say, oh, the BKFC champ, the bare knuckle guy. Where did you get the juggernaut from? Is this an X-Men reference? Where is it from? It's actually not um, when I would play football or when I would do anything. Uh, they always had names for me. Um, they used to call me the Red Ranger, too. <laughs> okay. I didn't like the Power Ranger reference. <laughs> okay. But like, you know, when, when I run, I, I kind of lean my head forward and run like I'm falling. So they used to say, you know, he runs like he's running downhill. And, 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 and they, they make jokes. They say, you know, if you fall, you're dead. So I just uh, I just rolled with it. Um, um, in my first fight, when they asked me my nickname, the first fight, they just said, you know, hey, what's your name? Lorenzo Hunt. They're like, well, what's your nickname? And I was just like, uh, Juggernaut. The Juggernaut's not the Red Ranger and it's not downhill. <laughs> Juggernaut's good. It's strong. It's powerful. You can't really miss with that one. It certainly fits the bill. Um, before I let you go, I wanted to talk to you about a couple other people who kind of circle in around your world. Um, you're, so for people that don't know, your girlfriend, Miranda, is one of the head makeup artists at AEW. She hooked us up to do this interview. So she has been able to work with Paige Van Sant. How do you feel about that open door between professional wrestling and, and bare knuckle fighting? It actually worked out perfect. And like I said, most things with me, um, I like to let them float and I like to float with them. I actually met her and her and her um, boyfriend at Knucklemania uh, fought Rob Morrow. She fought Britton Hart and um, super friendly, super professional, just nice people. And then I met him again at the Social Guns. And we even talked about working together, doing some um, training. So for her to go over to AEW when I was already there every week, uh, just being supportive and loving and just trying to have her in her back. Then to see people popping over from bare knuckle. And then the wrestling fans really like me too. Well, more so the wrestlers, they like me. They're like, holy shit, bare knuckle. They're like, let's take the bare knuckle chat with us. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they just invited me in with open arms of uh, Britt Baker, Jade, oh, oh, Sammy. Um, oh, my God. They just love me. And <laughs> when they see me, it's like, you know, I'm family. And uh, definitely have Miranda to thanks for that because I know it's just love that they have for her that, that blankets. For sure. Would you ever consider stepping into a wrestling ring? I mean, you said you're here. You've got the juggling down. You can walk on your hands. You've got the entertainment aspect down. When I watch it, I'm amazed, right? And I can do that stuff, except don't think I can let them slam me. Okay, okay. Slam me, I'm probably gonna go back to bed, <laughs> like right off the rip. I watched Jericho get slammed like 40 times, and I'm thinking to myself, "Oh my back, oh my back, oh my back, oh no, I don't, I don't think I can do it." <laughs> The hardest working, hardest trained. Oh, oh, my God. I don't think I can do it. It's a lot. It's a lot. But hey, at least you've already got that one foot in the door. I mean, come hang out. Who knows? Who knows what could happen? I'm telling you, a slam would just break my heart. I'm so used to landing on my feet. I feel like it would be really hard for you, too, to not follow through on a strike. Yeah, I'm controlled enough to not hurt people when I'm training. But after a slam, Coming I don't know. Not. Yeah, I, I saw I saw Hobbs uh, slam a guy and, and he didn't move anymore. And I was like, well, that's over. I couldn't let him do it to me. Yeah. No, there is no way. He's going to try to slam me. We'll be stuck there. 
You'll be stuck there. It's <laughs> stalemate. <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there. And you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all, reading about them, maybe even like, I don't know, some constructive criticism if you had it. We're all ears. God, did I open up a can of worms by saying that? I don't know. Be nice. Be cool in there. This has been The Sessions. 